Welcome to Lab Chats, a podcast from the team at LabStats. I'm Derek Hershey, your host for today's episode. Each week, we sit down with technology leaders in higher education to get the latest buzz and insights while we discuss current events, trends, problems, and solutions. Now let's get into it. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I'm Derek Hershey, Technical Support Specialist here at LabStats, and I'm joined today by Dr. Ray Pastor, an Associate Professor and Esports Program Coordinator at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. Many people might say esports are still kind of in their infancy. They're still up and coming. What data insights do you think would be valuable to someone who is running an esports program? So we are all about data. There is everything, every decision I'm making is data driven. So there's so many different types of data that interest me. So let's, I mean, we can start from like a lab perspective. Like what am I interested in? If I'm running an esports arena or an esports lab, I need to have use. I need to have time. What people are doing specifically focusing on the esports part, what game are they playing? Um, any kind of data that I can get will help me show return on investment of my program, will help me show return on investment of my lab, will also help me make decisions for purchasing, budgeting, um, you know, what kind of teams do we possibly want to have? Do I see students are playing some kind of new game? Any kind of data like that will help me drive those kind of decisions. But the big thing is marketability and just getting that to show the university like, hey, X amount of people are using this lab or using our stuff or are interested in gaming. Um, Any kind of statistics like that are going to be extremely useful for us. Well, and I think there's so much of a, I mean, in many places you end up with kind of a bias against gaming and gamers. Yes. Oh, it's a waste of time. Oh, it's, you know, you should be focusing on something that actually has a future. You know, that kind of, you hear that all the time. Yeah. And, and there's a couple ways to go. And, you know, what you just said, look at that. There's the, yes, as a coach or captain of a team or director of a program, you need to, your, your students are on a schedule. So you have to make sure they practice X amount of hours, but you don't want them to just spend every single second in the lab either. So you you have to monitor that. So all of that goes into that. And you know, when people say that gaming maybe is, well, maybe not a great thing, we have to remember if we start talking to Elon Musk or uh, the late uh, you know, founder of Apple Computer, uh, Steve Jobs, or any of those people, Bill Gates, Steve Wozniak, about how did they get interested in tech? Where did that come from? It, every single one of them, attributes it to their early days of playing video games. They wanted to learn how to design and create their own game and learn how to program. And that brought them into the next level of things. Yeah. Being able to see when, when students are using university resources to practice or to, or to coordinate or to just, you know, hone their skills, you can see what games they're playing, how long they're playing them, you know, when they're the focus time, stuff like that. Absolutely. And those are all important stats that you need. I mean, that really helps to, Every data, every decision is data driven and you need that data in order to make these decisions, especially for your administrators, your boards, all of the people who control that money. So keeping with the topic of data, how do you actually measure a student athlete's performance? Is it related to personal wins and loss ratio? Is it related to their, their observed skills or is it more of a team-based thing? How do you measure that? Yeah, that's a great question. So there's lots of ways you're going to measure performance. So first of all, yes, what you said, you're going to measure win losses and basic like that's like the, you know, the the high level stuff that everyone's going to see. But on top of that, you've got to measure like, what are their interactions like? How do they interact with their team? Are they a good team player? Are they non-toxic? Like what kinds of things are they writing, typing? How are they using that communication element within esports is super important. And then in addition to that, their GPA and, and what kind of student are they in 
addition to how well they play, but it goes into everything, how they practice, how they perform, how they perform with a team, how the team performs, their GPA, their communication. There's a lot of things that are going to go into that equation. And so you mentioned GPA, you know, traditional sports have a lot of, uh, you know, you're required to keep certain grades or certain amounts of study hours and stuff before you're able to compete. Uh, does, does esports have the same kind of thing or is it, is it still too young of a, of a discipline for that to be really set up yet? It's too young and it's coming, you know, we're not part of the NCAA and I don't foresee that happening. Esports is the wild West right now. You know, there are several organizations really leading the college charge and high school yeah. charge and middle school charge and professional charge. You you know, we're all in this wild, wild west of it. But, you know, the GPA requirement is up to the university to set it. We do have one set and and it is something you have to pay attention to and keep track of. And that with GPA goes in student study hours, student play time, how long are they allowed to practice? How how much do they need to study? What kind of grades? Do you, like there's a lot that goes into what kind of person is this? Okay. And how do students try out for an esports team? Is there is there kind of a process they go through? I imagine this is probably pretty individual for the organization as well. It, it's absolutely going to be individual for the organization, but there are a couple things. That, so the first, like most basic thing that you're going to want to do is you're going to look at the students' rank in general, because most of these games the students are playing all have their own ranking system within the game. So the first thing you do is look at all the students' rank position they play. That's the the basic thing that you look at, but then you have to talk to them and make sure are they are they the type of person that you want on a team? Because just because someone's good in game doesn't mean that they're not a you know, not great on a team. So they might be good individually, not good on a team. You have to make sure people have the right mindset and ability and really want to do it and be on the team. So are they willing to, you know, go by the university's, you know, ethics and, you know, really represent the university and make sure that people are non-toxic and they want to work with others and do well? Okay. How, how do you measure the success of the program at large? Is there, I mean, it's, I, I don't know how many competition, you know, other sports, they have these constant set of, you know, scheduled uh, um, competitions, a scheduled games, scheduled matches with other, other colleges. How do you measure the success of your esports program? So it's going to it's going to vary by the size of the esports program and the goals, because there are esports programs that are just kind of like a club that are more for, you know, marketing and fun for students and a, a community place. And that's part of what we have at UNCW. But then there's the competitive side, which is more about how are we what are our wins and losses? How are we doing? Who, who are we competing against and how are we doing against them? How, how much are we practicing? And that's where we start to measure that success. And then there's the academic side of esports where we look at how many students do we have in a program and how much money is that bringing to the program and university? Okay. How do you, how do you encourage your development? I've always wondered this. How do you encourage or develop a student to their, to, to a specific game or games of their choice. There, there's a hundred million choices out there for esports, you know, and they come and go like crazy. Sure. How, how do how do you figure out what games are a good fit for students, or maybe maybe the game they're playing and you're starting to recognize this might not be where you should be. Let's try you over here. That kind of thing. Is that is that something that happens in esports? So one of the things that your software does is tell us what games students are playing and most universities that are setting up esports while there are competitions in all kinds of games we need to know what what kind of population do we have because that's how we decide what games we're going to play because as you said there are 10 or 20 different competitions for different games happening so we're not going to compete in all of them we're going to pick maybe three to six so i need to find out what games my students are interested in form teams based on that 
interest. So that's how that's how most programs are really starting up and and working right now is that we are picking and there are yes there are some more popular games that you're going to have a larger audience for but there are also smaller ones that that's happening with as well. It really just depends on your university and your level of interest and engagement that you have with the students towards that game. I see, I see. So at what point does it change from encouraging a college kid to play video games to something greater than that? Well, it all depends on the person and their goals. So let's say I take just a general student that's interested in the gaming community. I may actually push them towards marketing or management or teaching or whatever their goal is and figure out how to incorporate gaming and esports into that end goal. But when you start to take the student who is doing exceptionally well and starting to be recognized, having a large viewership number in streams and do performing really well in competition, you're going to start to encourage them to enter that professional level. And we have students at UNCW that are doing that, that are working towards becoming a pro or they're semi-professional and they're working to get at the highest level. Is there a discernible threshold that they cross? You know, when, when it becomes, you know, it's one thing to be competing in esports, but then you're looking at this, at this, you know, a, a, a student in front of you going, man, you you can go somewhere. How, how do you know that? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's just like any other sport. I, I mean, let's just take the most basic thing of running. Like someone can run really fast and someone can run super, super, super fast and just blow everyone away. Same thing in esports. You notice the same kind of thing there. They rank up in the game way higher and significantly faster than everyone else. It's the same with baseball. They can just hit home runs and hit them farther than everyone else. And they just stand out. I mean, they stand out. You know, and we have a lot of really good players and there's a lot of really good players out there in the college scene. But when you have a few of them that are the highest, highest level, I mean, I'm talking like five top 500 in the world. They really stand out in the servers based on who they are and what they're doing. So and and another thing that I've always been very, very curious about, it seems like there's a new esport, a new a new big name game every four months. Like someday it's, it's gone from, from, you know, and it even switches genres as well. Uh, how do you, how do you choose which game? You mentioned this a little bit, you know, it was kind of up to student choice in some cases, but is, is there a method you use for kind of determining, we really need to focus on these games because we think these ones are going to be the big ones. Sure. You know, there's a, there's a top three big popular esports game, top three, top five, whatever you want to say, game that is going to be very common across universities. And those are the games you focus on. But, you know, there are new games coming out all the time, but a lot of them are like part two of the previous game. For example, the latest Call of Duty game just came out. It's like the 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 next one of the current number game. like 16 or something yeah, like that overall. So, so it's not necessarily always like, you know, League of Legends has been around for over 10 years as yeah. a high, and it's the number one most competitive game. You know, so, you know, we, we're watching Overwatch. They're coming out with Overwatch 2. We're excited for that. But yes, new games do come out and you just kind of see, is this game going to be an esport? Like, is this game going to be competitive? Do we have enough students that are going to like it? What is, and as you mentioned, like Twitch, the viewership numbers for that game are important too. Like, is this a top 10 channel at, at Twitch? Like, because that many, but if only like a thousand people are watching it each day, it's maybe you don't want to compete in that game because you're not going to have interest. But if you see that there's 200,000 people any hour of the day watching that channel, you're like, that's probably there's something there. You know, Is there any value to cross training a game? There's not really cross training, but it does work 
similar to other sports where like if you're if you're a soccer player and you're really good at running you maybe can pick up like another sport that is somewhat similar um and that's no different from esports a lot of the professionals for example some of the top pros have switched they switched they were halo players which was a first person shooter and then they switched to you know call of duty or now they're the ones playing they're the best in fortnite or the new game valorant so that skill of of being having your you know that hand-eye coordination on the keyboard the ability to act fast uh the strategies all are applicable the ability to aim really fast with a mouse so some of that those skills are going to transfer across game but yes you have to learn the new rule set and you know you have to be able to play under this this new rule set and new new maps and new game type you know when you're talking about like an esport at the professional level it's just like any other sport where like the littlest air like in golf like a golfer misses one putt and they lost the tournament because of that yeah. one putt out of 36 holes or whatever esports is no different it's like you missed that one shot you might lose the game like your whole team might lose because you missed one little one second thing it's the same kind of thing so yeah you you have to be on point changing tracks a little bit uh north america's esports infrastructure you know the coaching the talent the programs etc mm -hmm. uh they've been criticized a bit as being underdeveloped compared to other countries like maybe uh other regions like maybe china or europe um or korea especially um do you believe that it is underdeveloped here in the united states compared to those regions i think we're catching up i think sure like a country like korea man they they are on top of it they've got the investment they've got the games and well, they've been doing it for so long yeah and that's the thing they it, it you know we were doing it a long time here too but it didn't become as popular as it did there so just culturally they were able to make it something more and it's it's happening here and it's coming and it'll come like i'm i'm convinced that as viewership grows as financial opportunities grows as investment opportunities grows it's going to come but companies need to see like that return on they need to see money and they need to see dollars and they need to see the viewers so it it's all going to come and it's happening fast and it's it's happening in a lot of different directions so people aren't sure like what this is going to look like in a few years like who who's going to take over what what's going to like when is it going to like all come together so we're all kind of waiting for that like magic moment to happen where we're like this is it like you know when the nfl became the nfl like when is esports going to become that we're we're piecing that together right now and what can we do to kind of close that gap with other, you know, between other countries? I mean, you know, you always hear, you know, such, such, you know, Korean team won or Chinese team won, you know, and North American teams are there too. But, but how can we, how can we keep moving forward to close the gap? Well, you know, it's interesting playing against other countries because some of these countries have different rule sets and like they're not allowed to have chat or sometimes they're not even allowed to play certain games so there are very different restrictions and game popularity is different across these demographics as well like if you look at some of the other countries mobile games are huge and one of the biggest parts of esports where in north america it's not mobile games aren't as popular as they are overseas so you know game popularity difference is different and you know there's a lot of ways that we can compete you know but some of these countries have are already the investments there where they have kids living in a house and their their life is doing this and competing whereas we don't have that as much here so can you speak a little bit to the development and the structure of esports at universities specifically? Like, let's say you wanted to get an esports program off the ground. How do you go about getting buy-in from an administration who may not see this as a, you know, what do you want this to be, college football kind of a thing? 
Sure. So, you know, the first thing I always will recommend is to make sure that you have support by at least some administrator and you start up small, start a club, see what kind of interest you have. That's how we started. And that's how most programs are starting. They're starting with nothing. They have a couple of students come together, form a team or form a little club and see where it goes. And what you find is all of a sudden we have a Discord server of 330, 350 students. And we have tournaments where I can bring in 100 competitors. And all of a sudden it becomes that and people people's eyes light up like, wow, what is this? What is this thing, this esports? What are these video games? The, people are playing. And then you start to look at the research and you realize like, wow, the students playing these games are much more interested in STEM careers. And if we want to introduce STEM to our students, having a gaming community at our university is a great way to do that. Um, if we want to get students into computer programs, science, biology, any of those careers, if we want to increase school spirit, you know, we have this community of students that are not being represented in high schools and colleges that aren't part of the sports scene or whatever scene that's happening there. They're part of the a underground gaming community and bring that up. Let these kids be the be the star, you know, be the person we're showing on the, the homepage. And man, it, it just changes these students. They get excited and passionate and you hear them talk about it. And it's it's their lifestyle. It's not just a, a thing. It's a gaming lifestyle that they yeah. have. That's really cool. And it kind of answers my next question, actually. You know, is it, I was going to ask, is it possible for a smaller school, like a junior college or a technical school, to, to get started? It sounds like the way you're saying, even the larger schools are starting with nothing and very little recognition and having to start from zero. Yeah, you know, absolutely. In fact, some of the best esports programs out there right now are smaller technical schools that got in early or made the investment. Um, not a lot of schools, schools are afraid to make the investment or they're not sure what the investment should really be. And then you have some schools building like millions of dollars, like a million dollar arena. So it's it varies so much, you know, but it is something that all schools are going to have. So they all need to be prepared and set up for it because it is going to be the next competitive thing that people are watching. I mean, if you look at the demographic of the seven to 15 year old kid, they are home watching someone on YouTube or Twitch stream their favorite video game. They're not, yeah. that's, that's what they're watching. That's their end form of entertainment. And that's going to carry over to them being students and eventually adults. So you think this is going to be, this is going to penetrate all levels of, of the university academia, academic system, just like other college sports. Do you think this is going to be that big? Absolutely. And the, you know, the cool thing about esports is it doesn't necessarily, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have the costs associated with it that other sports do. So it's much more budget friendly for universities to start up. I mean, assuming they don't have like a $5 million arena, you know, obviously budgets can get overboard really quick, but there are ways to do it in a much more budget friendly manner. And there and fewer are ways injuries. To fewer you know things like that make it much easier where even during covid like we're able to just everyone's at home we're all still practicing playing competing talking nothing's really changed it's just we're not face to face so i'm kind of curious what have the effects of the pandemic been so good and bad there's been positive and negative effects you know the i'll start with the positive is that yeah online viewership is way up we're we're learning we've been forced to learn how to have more online tournaments which is a great thing even though we always had online tournaments just how the logistics of it for like a smaller university well we're like a mid-sized university but how do we do that as a college because we more or less you know always focused on the big things and how do we bring those small online tournaments to the community and you know viewership and twitch and other people are 
were really giving it a chance that really hadn't before and thought of, oh, wow, there's there is something still happening out there when everything's shut down. And games were a thing that people could turn to during the pandemic. So they didn't go stir crazy sitting at home. So it, there were a, lots of positives in that regard. And, you know, now negative things that happened in the industry is there weren't any more live events. So like there's not ticket sales. So like there's money lost. These uh, stadiums are sitting empty. So like there's a loss just like every other industry had when you're talking about that kind of thing. So, you know, there was there's good and bad to it. So did it impact the industry? Sure. Um, maybe it probably more positive than negative, though. Yeah. Esports in general was able to continue. But like some of the big, huge events that we, we attend that our teams want to go to just couldn't happen because they're all live, face to face. And so like big conferences and now they're not getting an, and they didn't make any money in 2020. So are they going to happen in 2021? Like, I don't I don't know what their budgets look like, but that kind of stuff definitely impacted the industry for sure. So changing tracks a bit again here, uh, is it possible for a single game to have that kind of staying power? The only one I could think of that came anywhere close was StarCraft, but that was quite a while ago at this point. Yeah, and it's it's still played and it's it's still yeah. a competitive game, not as big, but it's still played. You know, that's a good that's the million dollar question. I mean, I should say that's the billion or trillion dollar <laughs> question. Um, I don't really have an answer to it, you know. Game do games have staying power? Look, League of Legends is the number one game still, and it has been going for over 10 years as that. So the thing is, the game's going to have to change and adapt where you're right. It's not like baseball, that baseball is baseball. Um, it's football, football's football, and it doesn't need, there's not like a big change. So maybe what happens, you know, some of the, if I'm thinking about this from like more like, maybe it's more of like a genre esports become like the first person shooter game regardless of what it is people like and it's more like instead of saying football is like saying first person shooter and or or moba or whatever more about the genre of the game and less about the specific game itself you know and also a focus on who are the stars at the time just like we have baseball and football and yeah. hockey stars who are the who are the big people who are who who are the you know who are the stars at the time you know that's where the focus is but it'll be interesting to see how that does work because that's one of the biggest issues in defining esports as this completely separate industry from sports is that what is the staying power of an individual game you know i wonder if it's just there's too many games trying to get a piece of the pie and that as such we end up with every six months there's a new a, a, a new one that's dethroned its predecessor you know, it, it's more about the genre. So like the people interested in MOBAs are going to continue to play League of Legends and whatever the mo big MOBA is at the time. And nothing's been able to come close and dethrone that except maybe Dota 2, which is also another popular game. Same thing with like the, the you know, the Battle Royale. Like we have Fortnite and a few others. But I think that a lot of those big games stay big for a pretty decent amount of time. I think when a new game comes out, sometimes it gets a little hype. And maybe it has hype for a couple months, but it never comes close to that big game. And those you can't really, you know, make a 
game after it's like you can't like remake league of legends (laughs) like it's just not going to happen the game's been out for 10 years it has so many billions of dollars invested into the development of it that in order to compete with it you'd have to be able to beat all of that out and it's so difficult to do that it's why no one's been able to dethrone world of warcraft as the you know mmorpg like nothing has been able to dethrone that because the game has been out for like 20 years the game's constantly improved league of legends just in november maybe october november completely redid their interface changed all their graphics like the game is being updated for better machines and different things and you know they're constantly adding improvements so to be able to beat it is pretty tough i think it's more about the genre and that some people are interested in first person shooters some people are interested in nascar some people are in nascar esports some people are interested in nba 2k like so it's more about the genre similar to every other sport i mean similar to sports but i like to look at esports like track and field where like there's the, the long jump the the javelin there's a whole I bunch see. of different yeah. things that, yeah, that, that go makes into sense. it and you know it's, it's less less like just a football team where you have like coaches and defense and offense and all that stuff it's more like track and field where you have a bunch of different events and a bunch of different cool things happening and you can kind of see where you fit in and what you're interested in i mean even if you're not interested in the game it's really cool to go and watch like a player who's just like dominating everybody yeah like in any sport i'm interested in that in golf and why well, i like golf, but any even if i'm not interested in the sport like just to go watch the game and see the team and figure out what's happening is a pretty cool thing And so it sounds to me like you're kind of saying it's less about whatever the huge game of the day is and more about looking deeper and finding out which games have maintained a steady audience. Whereas, you know, we might get a flashpoint from from a game that that really doesn't stick around for very long, but that's all the new that's all anyone talks about. It's all the memes are about. It's all anybody discusses. Even though really it's still League of Legends or or you know, some of these are Fortnite that really has the staying power. And the money that goes into making a game a successful esport is enormous. So the chances of a small independent game doing that are hard because in order to make it an esport, you need to create a tournament around it. And in order to get people to play the tournament, you have to have nice prizes. And that all leads to people wanting to play the game. They want to win. So, you know, it becomes this, how much money do you have to make this happen? So it's difficult for a game not performing well to really make it big all of a sudden so you know you have to perform well and then your game will you'll you'll get the money to actually have big tournaments and create a big user base right so other sports these other sports we kind of been talking about they have kind of a linear progression right you're going you're, you're starting out with with maybe middle school you move into high school sports you get get a lot of recognition there move into get recruited by college move into a college program and if you can really shine there you can make it into professional games. But you and I were talking a little while ago about how some of these students are already professionals. Yeah, absolutely. And that that does matter. And, you know, the progression in esports happens in the game itself and in the competition. So, like, there are ranking systems in games. So that's where that progression is happening. It's not like... You know, I mean, a kid that is nine years old turning on League of Legends for the first time is in the same ranking system as the top professionals. They're compete literally, I mean, they won't ever play together because their scores are too different. Their back, you know, their what's called their MMR, their background score is too different, but they're in the same league competing. 
So it's not like football, like an eight-year-old football player is never able to compete at the same, in the same kind of tournament or league that a top professional football player in the NFL is where in esports that happens, which is why an eight-year-old can be really good and climb the ranks and get to a point where they are playing at eight or nine or 10, those top people. You know, it's, it's a possibility for them because the, the, you know, the, background and everything is there the infrastructure is there for them to do that now once they reach that rank they have to go compete in actual tournaments so it becomes up to their parents to enter them and all that kind of stuff but right. it's the possibility is there for those kind of people to do that how does how does a student i mean i mean students who are coming in maybe to college right my, my understanding and we talked about this a little bit um um the 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 time where where a student where where, where a, uh, an athlete is is at their prime is probably you know a bit younger you know you're talking 17 to 24 something like that sure which means a student might be coming down the other side of an esports career when they graduate college could be you know, when they get their when they get their degree How, are there ways to support those students you know they're coming out and and they're and and, and what they've done with their lives is, might be coming to an end somewhat. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean, the, you know, esports has created a whole industry around new jobs for people who want to be a shoutcaster and simply narrate tournaments or just different kinds of marketing or management, managing esports organizations. I just saw a job and I, I've interviewed a, an esports psychologist, you know, who works with the teams to help their mental status during the game. I mean, we're having. Uh, I, one of the guys teaching one of my courses this semester is an esports entertainment attorney. He he focuses on esports law, and there are you know trainers, physical trainers who are training esports teams. Who are there are doctors who are the doctor for the esports team, chiropractor for the esports team. There are everything. We've created this new industry around all these different positions. So you know, usually what I do, you know, we started a certificate program around esports, and really the certificate is designed to get students to learn about the industry, get some experience like developing projects and and actually build a little portfolio so that when a student like that graduates, they have a career to turn to. Like let's say the student is a marketing major. They get the esports certificate, they get they get their marketing degree and they have this name in esports and they leave and they're going to get picked up by an organization to do the marketing, be the marketing person for them. So they have to find that career path though, you know, based on their personal interest. So we'll jump tracks a little bit here. Let's say you're a university IT director and you've got people in your, in your university who are wanting to start an esports team. Are there, are there things that as, a, as an IT director you might be interested in, things you might need to pay attention to or questions you should be asking about this? Sure. So, you know, I mean, my role is as a faculty member, but I have to work with our ITS, which is called ITS at my university department a lot because they control the whole infrastructure that you're going to, play on everything about it what kind of so first of all what kind of technology is there like computer wise like do you have machines that are actually going to run this stuff and then do the rooms where you're doing this do the rooms have the electricity and the, the air the type of air conditioner that are needed to cool down a room and run the computer so the room doesn't blow up you know do you have the internet speed and are you able to dedicate speed to those rooms because you know what if there's a lag in that lab during a major tournament you could have caused your university to lose a big game. 
You know, so everything about it, I mean, there's so many things from a tech perspective that someone in, you know, an information technology role at a university needs to pay attention to. So they need to work very closely with whoever's doing the esports program and make sure that everything is meshed together and working nicely and, and good. And, and, and even just system performance. I mean, uh, frames per second is so important oh, for, yeah. for oh, the really high-level high level esports athletes. Something 100%. that you said in a previous call I was very interested in was that sometimes you'll have a separate machine that's running Discord. Oh, yeah, no, you, you have, have nothing running on your primary machine. And I had never even thought about that. I mean, this is running most of my stuff next to me while I am playing. I have an iPad sitting next to me here. I have... Where is my other laptop? Oh, it might be on the floor or something, but I have another laptop here that I run right next to me. I mean, I have to have multiple machines set and my main machine has three monitors hooked up to it. Just so that I can, cause I'm, you have to, you're trying to stream. You're trying to record your game. You're right. trying to have chat open and possibly And that has to be done on the primary machine. Yeah, so, so you've, you've got to like be all ready for all this stuff, all this tech, all these problems. So in addition to being, playing a game, you're like a, become like a tech expert to learn how to run all the technology and how to record and what software do you need and lighting and backgrounds and so much stuff starts to go into it when you start to think about it. Interesting. Man, this, this is just, this has been fascinating. Um, so to kind of wrap up here, I'd like to ask you what you think the next five years in esports kind of look like. Yes, I can tell you what I think is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> but it could very well differ. Because if you would have asked me a year ago, if I think that like a, a stock like Tesla would be worth 1500% what it was, I would have said no way. And it is like, it's so difficult to predict in these techno technological fields, what's going to happen. Um, but so things that I think are going to happen. One, I think that esports viewership is going to continue to climb as people get interested in it. I think that the industry is going to define itself. I think that organizations at the middle school, high school, college and professional level there's going to be an organization at each of those levels that rises up and becomes number one, similar to what happened in MMA with the UFC yeah, or any other new, if you can study any kind of new sport that has come out, there's going to be an organization that comes out and starts to run the show. Assuming that happens, um, I think that you're going to start to see a lot more of the money invested being returned. Like there's a lot of people investing and just throwing money to, in the esports right now. And you've got to think like, how are you going to get your money back? And so I think that, that that's going to all start to come together. We're going to we're going to see organizations fail and we're going to see organizations be successful. And there's going to be a lot of ups and downs in that whole. It's going to be a big roller coaster ride to the top. You know, it's going to be a line up, but it's going to be a roller coaster ride. There's going to be ups and downs. You're going to see failures. You're going to see startups. You're seeing already seeing people start up you know, software as a service companies around esports, all kinds of software is being released. You know, people are trying to really get in on the industry, be the t-shirt maker, have the brand that all the t-shirts, all want, the merchandise, know, yeah. all the merchandise, like, you know, there are companies really out there competing for all that. So who's going to win and, and are people going to buy it? And what, what are the interests? Like where, you know, one of the biggest questions is where is the, how is the money? What is the business model of esports? You know, that's the biggest question right now because you have all these viewers, and how, how are you, how are you going to make money? How are, how are teams, how are, how are tournaments, how are game, game companies, how are publishers, how are all the people going to actually make a significant amount of money that this keeps growing, you know, and it's figuring all of that out. I, I mean, esports is a whole different thing than traditional sports, traditional sports. They've had a hundred years to perfect 
and create what they have. Esports started on the internet, basically. I mean, really, first competition in the 70s. Yeah. But, you know, from 2014, when Justin TV became Twitch TV, is when it really became much more mainstream than it was. That was my, when I, I say like a big change in the in the industry happened at that point. And, you know, people are used to viewing it for free, viewing it on Twitch for free. How are we going to monetize this? And where is where is that business model going to come in? I think all those are great questions that we are going to see answered in the next five years. Interesting. Interesting. And so it's not college football, not yet anyways. You know, you said the Wild West, but that's kind of the next frontier that the college program should be should be eyeing or thinking very carefully about. Yeah, it's I mean, it's going to have an audience. It's not going to be like college. It's not going to be and not to say a sport doesn't have a good audience, but it's not going to be one. It's going to be much closer to a college baseball, basketball, football than other college sports. It's going to have an audience. There's going to be teams. There's going to be there already are people wearing. I mean, I've got a UNCW esports shirt on right now and people are wearing them. People are buying them. So there, there is that sense of pride. It's a community that wasn't reached and all of a sudden they are. So, yeah, that stuff is going to happen and it is going to whether it's as big as any of these other sports, I have no idea. But it is going to make a significant impact, at least. All right. Well, uh, Dr. Ray Pastor has been with us. Uh, thank you very much, Ray. Really appreciate you joining us for, for this tech talk. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. Great talk. That's all for today's episode of Lab Chats. Be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when a new Lab Chats episode is posted each week. We'll see you next time.